Hi, I'm Lucy. I'm Georgie. And I'm Jess. And we are the Female Athlete Podcast. We're here because we believe the conversation around the female body and how it works needs to be opened up. Discussing topics from puberty to menopause and everything in between, the Female Athlete Podcast aims to inspire confidence and empower through education and conversation. There's no shame or awkwardness here, just honest and open conversations about female health-related topics. In our eyes, anyone who uses their body to move or exercise is an athlete. So join us as we open up the conversation. We'd like to thank our title sponsor for Series 2, Pretty Athletic. Pretty Athletic is a unique skincare brand for active women. Whether you're a runner looking for the best moisturiser, an amazing gel cleanser for pre- and post-workouts, or a soothing tonic to help combat gym skin, Pretty Athletic are the go-to brand whatever your skincare concerns and needs. And did we mention it's also 95% natural, vegan, and packed with scientifically proven actives. So I've actually used Pretty Athletic products for some time now, and I got in touch with them, and they were really, really helpful because I'm quite a sweaty runner, and um, I was getting quite a lot of dry skin, particularly around my chin um, and sort of my lower cheeks, and I, I didn't really want that. Um, and obviously kept covering it up with makeup and things, that obviously doesn't help. So. I've found that the actual sweat proof hydration gel um, before and after all of my runs and workouts, gym things, um, has made such a big difference and really cleared up all the dryness. Um, And I actually really like the shower gel, it's a shower scrub I think it is. And as I said, I'm a particularly sweaty person, particularly after some gym sessions, so that really makes me feel a lot cleaner and cleansing everything and sort of ready for the next workout. Head to www prettyathletic.com to view the amazing range of products available and use discount code FEMALEATHLETEPOD for 20% off. So today we're doing a bonus episode. We thought we would talk to a woman who has been working in sport and exercise science for a long time and talk to her about what it's like to be a woman in STEM, to be working with male coaches predominantly, And working with female athletes, of course, to do with their training, the menstrual cycle, and how she might communicate differently between men and women. Okay, so today we are very excited to welcome Caroline McManus to the podcast. Caroline is a performance scientist at High Performance Sport New Zealand, so it is very late at night for her while it's early in the morning for us. Um, And we're really, really excited to hear more about uh, Caroline's journey. Caroline particularly spends most of her time with the very world famous rowing team in um, New Zealand. So welcome Caroline today. Thank you very much, Georgie. Um, Nice to be here. Amazing. Firstly, it would be great to hear about your journey so far. How did you get to working in New Zealand? And I guess really for everyone out there, what's your background? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm in the industry just over 20 years. Um, I started in just a basic sports science degree, which is going so far back. There was no sports science degree in Ireland at the time. Um, I studied in, in Nottingham Trent University actually uh, a long time ago. Um, and then went on and did a master's degree in, in Sydney um, because at the time I felt I had done some traveling and, and thought this was the place at the time to get some experience and, and, and um, get my postgraduate degree. So when I 
finished in Sydney, I moved back to Limerick. I actually, funnily enough, applied for a job I became, I was the second candidate on, but they rang me a week later and said, would you like to come and work for us? And I was there 17 years. So, um, yeah, so it, within that time as well, I, I've, I've also, I, I did a physio degree. I thought I was going to move into um, to being a physiotherapist, uh, but realised quickly enough that actually I still, my heart's in, in the science of, of sport. And so um, it's definitely added, I guess, to my, um, to my skills and, and, and I would have kept on practising, you know, on, on the side as well in Ireland. Um, so, yeah, so as I said, 17 years in Ireland and then uh, post-2016 Olympics, we had some, you know, some athletes performing quite well and generally have that little bit of a slump and I hadn't, I was just looking for, for some things to do. Um, did a little bit of research with uh, with with a friend from Trinity, um, and then I kind of thought, well, I haven't actually done my CV or interviewed for quite some time, so I'd uh, redo my my CV, and then um, the guy saw some jobs come up in New Zealand and thought, well, let's put an application in. It was with rowing. I've I've worked with rowing the entire, you know, my entire career. Um, thought. I'd probably have the experience enough to be able to get an interview, which I did. And then, and then I got the job. So after that, yeah, we just spoke with my husband and we kind of looked at the pros and the cons and really it was just too much of a good opportunity to say no. And we, um, that our kids were at a good age that we'd uh, move over. And, and here we are three and a half, nearly four years later. And over in New Zealand, you work with some of the best athletes in the world, like the, rowing teams are always or the uh, rowing crews are always right up there if not winning races they're always in contention um but for everyone out there really i i and generally i think it's very interesting how obviously in rowing and similar to some sports it's very much a, a mixed environment so while um the w- girls compete just with the girls and the boys compete just with the boys they often are in the same training environment mm-hmm. um how do you specifically work differently with the male athletes and the female athletes, if you do at all? Um, and how do you feel their mindsets differ as well? Yeah, I, I'm, I've, I've been asked this before, and I suppose it's, it's, it's something I, I'm not necessarily sure my approach is hugely different. I, I, I suppose I work, I'm quite honest in, in, in how I communicate um, and, and pretty straight up. And, and most people that know me would would know that I guess where my approach would be different would, would be the level of, of trust or the develop that I have or the relationship that I've developed with, with that athlete or the coach at, at the time, you know, it might be a, a campaign or a group of us. Um, but I think it's how comfortable I would feel to be, you know, more pragmatic or more direct. Um, but I, I'm not necessarily sure I, I, yeah, that we, we um, actually deal with each other hugely differently and as you were right in in rowing and you see the, the men's and the women's program is actually runs in tandem um out of the same center so everybody's around um yeah it's it i i yeah I can't, I'm, I'm not sure my approach is hugely different georgie Carolyn, you work with at the moment a lot of male coaches um and i'm not sure yeah. if that was kind of the same when you were in ireland with, with when you were young when you were a younger practitioner working with um with mainly male coaches but how do you find working in that environment really really good question and i'm glad you asked it because actually i um i had to present at a, a high performance summit last a couple of years ago for high performance sport in new zealand and i did it um with 
the PD of athletics at the time, and it was on the coach-led programs. So I had my material and, and, and all of that was sorted, and, but I wanted to bring something else in my experience to it. So I sat, I probably, I, I sat thinking about this for quite a while and I did a collage of a lot of the coaches I've worked with, so maybe about 30 coaches, probably the ones that I've had the biggest impact on me, whether it's negative or positive, um, over, over that last period. Um, there was one female on it, one. Wow. So for me, I guess, um, I've, I've worked primarily with male, male coaches my entire career and it's, it, it's my norm. So I've never, I've never, yeah, I've never thought about, I suppose being asked about it now and it's becoming more and more in the fore is, is it's, it's, I've never thought about it before this and how, how differently would I, would I act? Well, I, try to be me I guess I try to be me and I try to be you know to act with honesty and integrity um and the big big one for me is actually is just gaining trust and um, a relationship with those male coaches and um I think you know over the years sometimes it can be a very very slow process um and that's the hard part when you have um when you have aspirations of changes you want to make to a program um, you don't want to jump in like a bull in a china shop because I think from an ego perspective we work quite differently to males and I find it hard to say it's hugely different because it's all I've ever done that's yeah. all I've ever known maybe I am a little bit different um, if I ever if I've ever kind of jump in a negative you know every now and then you might if there's been a challenging environment with a coach um, where you come up against it that that isn't that trusting robust relationship um, what they'll often jump to is is that oh you're too emotionally invested, which is for me straight away going for you know the yeah. female angle. Um, in which case you, you you just want to throw back. Well, yes, I am because I care. Yeah. Um, I want to see this athlete perform. I want to see you as a coach be supported, and and so um, that's maybe the only side of it that I that I get that I get frustrated with. Um, you, you know, you don't hear it too often because there's. I've, I've worked with some pretty phenomenal coaches um, and learned a hell of a lot from them on, on the way. And would you yeah. say that's a similar situation with the other practitioners that you might work with? I mean, I know that there's huge support teams, which is all very integrated um, within each other with physiologists and psychologists and biomechanic, biomechanists. Um, has that been a similar, similar story? And, and what also what tips would you give to aspiring young practitioners who might be kind of entering a work, very male dominated world? Yes. Um, uh, like, for, first thing is is don't be afraid. I mean, as a, as a female, if this is something you think you'd love to do, don't don't be afraid because if you've got those interpersonal skills or, or that will and want to do something, I think I think you know you'll you'll be an asset anywhere. Um, with regards to the rest of the support team, it's it's pretty mixed. You know, the support teams between male and females. Um, you know, pretty much all services are are maybe there's there's a bigger male stance on strength and conditioning but you know we see across nutrition psychology um medical um biomechanics you know we we have a, a nice mix of male and males and females um so i suppose that probably helps you know when we're in when we're in a big team as well and and um yeah like i'll, I'll admit it i I, I like female company as well. You know, sometimes it's nice to just get away from that that environment. But um, in terms of advice to younger practitioners coming in, um, the big the big one would be 
is taking your time and making those relationships because, you know, I, I know you come out of uni and we're probably taught in uni and in, you know, we're, we're not talk about, we're sorry, we're not taught the complexities of training and performance. We're taught kind of in boxes of what this training does, what that training does, what training load is, what um, recovery is and all of the, all of those things will actually put it all together. And that's a pretty complex piece. Um, and so often you get, you know, some new grads coming out and they're so, why are we doing this? And why are we doing that? And this is what I've learned. And, or, or the, or the athlete that maybe studies, um, the sports science or, you know, they have that little bit of knowledge and, and you're trying to say a step back from it for a little, a little bit, um, listen to, and, and often listen to the coach because the coach will have a hell of a lot more experience than, than you have, but also listen to the practitioners that maybe have that year's experience where you can, you can put those pieces together a little, a little bit. Um, because I think, you know, it, it, it's that, you know, you, you come out of uni, you're keen, you want to change the world. And then you suddenly get hit with, oh my gosh, they won't listen to me. Nobody will listen to me. But take the time on forming those relationships. And I, I can't actually advise that enough because the, the people I'd look to recruit are those ones who have those interpersonal skills that, that, that can connect because if they have their, if, if, you know, if they've managed to get a good degree, you know, they can learn. And so if you've got the interpersonal skills, well, the technical skills will come and they'll come over time. Mm. That's so interesting and actually such a good point, Caroline. Like I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, I reckon I was probably that person who jumped out and was like, hello world, like listen to the menstrual cycle. Like this is so important when actually stepping back and you learn, you really do learn a lot from just immersing yourself into an environment and just observing, <laughs> as you say, and just monitoring. And maybe after a few months, even a year or a few years, like you can build that trust so that then effectively you're approached to ask for your opinion as opposed to you always piping up with your own opinion um yes i i also think just a couple of things on the back of your um, what mm -hmm. you were just saying like i think as women as well and I, i'm definitely this person you're always so guilty of feeling like you need to get another qualification or you like, yeah. <laughs> always need to keep like over almost over training to then to reassure yourself about where you are and that you are able to be in this environment whereas i think interestingly the gender divide is really obvious here I also think it's really interesting what you're saying about male coaches because and how you've primarily worked with male coaches and I, I think there are significantly more male coaches out there as well so it doesn't massively surprise me. Um, my personal experience actually is that working with male coaches or male practitioners is um, obviously it can be challenging but also I often find particularly in my domain of all things female athlete they're so keen to learn and I, I often feel for, for male coaches because they don't know how to approach the menstrual cycle topic or other yeah. aspects of women's health mm -hmm. and, and I think that I is really challenging. Uh, absolutely and I like I think I'm so glad to hear you say that, the, um, particularly around the menstrual cycle, because it's becoming more and more into the fore. We have some phenomenal rowers um, or athletes in rowing who are just so welcoming of talking about the menstrual cycle. And we've had a coach who, who's driven that. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's an open and a, and a great conversation for them all to have. Um, but on, on the flip side to that is, is you've got the coaches that are still, it is still so... Um, it's an uneasy subject for them. Yeah. Um, and then bringing it down to actually our coaches at the age group levels who 
mm. were trying to introduce the conversation and then said, actually, we had a parent telling us it was inappropriate. Mm. So, um, you know, they're welcoming, wanting to know more about girls' cycles and, and where they sit and, and, and why they might be seeing certain things at different times. That all that They're looking for that education and they're actually so willing to talk about it that I think um, yeah, that's, that's where we have, I mean, we have that obligation, I think, to educate because um, it is a very easy conversation for us as females yeah. because we can all relate. And that's the bottom line is we can relate. And females can relate that we can too, you know. Um, that parent that thought it was inappropriate, a, a dad or a, or a, mo- a mother or father, because that would be very interesting. It was a mother. Oh. So I don't know whether they may, may have, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but they went home and, and must have said, our coach was asking. So as he said, we talked about it and I said, well, perhaps it would have, you know, or us going forward becoming the norm is that you actually have maybe one of us as a female with you. Uh, to have the conversation um, and then and then people may feel that a little bit more more um, at ease at ease I guess you see I'm um I think this is a really interesting point I know we're going off track a little bit but I'm I'm so interested by the teams and the coaches and the athletes that say to me oh um we need to have a woman on the ground managing this and so this is the menstrual cycle specifically so we're going to come to your setup uh, in New Zealand a bit more in a minute but I I I really I don't like the fact that it has to be a woman because we can't imagine that there is only or there is always going to be a woman on the ground that can manage the menstrual cycle and I feel like it should be an open discussion but yeah. saying that when you have minors so under 18s definitely like I do yeah. understand that but still I, I it's such a um yeah it's a constant like battle in my head of what is the best way and I I think it always comes down to the person and some some women actually really might not be comfortable discussing this with their athletes even though I that needs to change and I'm really passionate about trying to change that but I also think that's going to take time it's not that we can come along mention the word menstrual cycle and everyone can suddenly talk about it um and other aspects of women's health from urinary incontinence to incontinence to you know breast pain or sports bra Mm -hmm. use you know there's so many different aspects of women's health that are taboo in nature um but yeah I, i as i said like i really am eternally battling whether actually it should it always needs to be a woman on the ground or whether actually it's just someone who um has been educated and can discuss it in the right manner but then what even is the right manner so it's really yeah exactly i wonder is that just the evolution of this as well georgie um you know we're we're in a way it's it's not new but it's new it's new because it's becoming the more the norm of what we're looking at where as as opposed to it's an aside to what we're looking at as well as training and everything else um and, and maybe that's the evolution of it that it's just it, this is how it's starting out and and yeah. you've you've just openly said it there where you you want everybody in the service team uh, available and coaching team available to to be able to um have the expertise or or willingness to work on it so yeah i mean it may it may just be that it, that yeah. it's over time it'll 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 move to that that side yeah. but i think never excluding anybody is 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 at the you know at the end of the day we have as i said we the particular women's group we worked with um and one of them the coxswains is a male for our women's um women's crew and he's one of the best people 
that I've sat in a room with to talk about menstrual cycles and awareness of the girls that he, sorry, the women, the women that he, um, that he works with. Um, it actually blew me away because I mean, he, he's a great, um, he's a great person anyway, a great human being, but to, to see him sit there and just, he was just part of the conversation and it was fantastic. Um, yeah. It was, it, blew, it actually blew me away and it shouldn't blow me away. I know that because he's, he's a great guy, but um, it just showed me how much he adds to that team. Actually, Brilliant. That's, that's so good to hear actually. And that's really heartening because I feel like things need to keep progressing like this. And it's brilliant to hear that for him, it is just a normal natural process, which is what it is. And it's just, mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a nuance of being a woman, but it, it yes. doesn't make women any weaker or it's not. No. It's just a fact of life. And I think, again, seeing the menstrual cycle as a whole cycle, not just, ah, oh, you have a period, really helps yes. that as well, I find. For this series, we've joined Patreon. Patreon is a platform which has allowed us to build an online female athlete community. Becoming a patron costs just £3.29 a month and supports our mission of empowering more women to own and understand their bodies and open up important topics which often go under-researched and under-discussed. If you like what we do and you want to support us, please consider becoming a patron. The link to our Patreon page is in the show notes or head to www.patreon.com forward slash female athlete podcast. A few of your athletes have had mid-career breaks for children. How do you personally manage that with them? Um, And I guess over time, as you've learned, do you feel like that approach has changed um, or might change moving forwards? Yeah, um, this is one. This is one I think is 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 hugely complex, isn't it? Depending on your on your individual, and, and it's just knowing. I think it's knowing the individual athlete. Like we've we've had athletes that are getting stuck back into rigorous training three weeks after after birth. Okay, that's not the norm, and I think that's. You know, we see that in media with with some of these athletes, and then we and then we've other athletes then beating themselves up because they they can't perform three weeks after having their first child. Which, uh, if if you've had a if you've had a baby, that you know that first year is a, is a big baptism of fire. Yeah. Um. And and you know, and the and the body goes through some huge changes that you need to give it time um um to adapt back into you know particularly from endurance if we're talking endurance athletes. Um, you know, you need to give the time actually, all athletes. So, um, from the ones I've experienced, as I said, there's some, you know, at the end of the day, it's the individual you're going to support. So what is the individual goals, um, with that athlete and with their coach, um, and then managing those expectations, but knowing historically what those athletes are like from, you know, their, their own limitations, um, you know, what they're capable of from a loading perspective. Um, and, and also, and probably most importantly, is actually um, supporting the athlete with their family, because now what we have is is um, the kids are an integral part of, the, of those training commitments, and we have to, you know, we have to accept that this isn't as it was before they had children. Mm. Um, I think one of the most successful um, cases I would have seen is is actually the athlete that took their time, mm. and and this athlete coach was actually her husband which is which is interesting um so it was it was probably slower than she would ever have have increased her um or progressed back to training only that she had a husband that was there supporting her with with the baby but also a knowledgeable coach um and he 
you know, slowly managed her back. And what we saw was a pretty successful athlete within within six months post a baby. Yeah. And I think like the one thing I'd say as well is I we're seeing more and more athletes on the world stage who are mothers and they're mothers of multiple, yeah. you know, multiple children. And I think it's become it's it's becoming more and more the norm. Um, certainly in the program I currently work on, we're, it's, it's quite a young program, so we haven't seen it yet. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a challenge. I, I have to say, I'd I'd welcome if it was if it was if it was wider because I think it's um, yeah. you know from an I'll be talking endurance perspective because that's what I've focused on over the last whatever bones of ten years. But um, you know we know females continue, and actually all all athletes continue to get better through their thirties, and and yeah. that's often when when the babies come along. So yeah. um, being able to sort that or support that in a centralized program would be a huge challenge I'd I'd jump on I 100% and you know as they say you can't be what you can't see and if you're seeing icons and role models actually having children and coming back safely Mm -hmm. and in um, really good condition and I think taking time over it that's such a good message to everyone out there like I know I certainly find that really inspiring to um, to know that people are doing that and I think um, another thing we have previously discussed is how in certain sports there is increasingly more of a um a focus on maternity pay or helping yeah. athletes financially um through that period of time because i know previously there's been a lot of scandal around that so on our podcast obviously one of our primary aims is to educate around all aspects of female health um, mm-hmm. and i know that in new zealand you regularly monitor your athletes i know you very diligently do that but in your female athletes specifically how does that look like what do you do around the menstrual cycle in particular yeah, so I mean, obviously, Georgie, I, sp- I speak to you a lot as well. I look to you, I look for your advice um, as a specialist in the area. Um, but what we what we started doing a few years back, I think it was a few years ago now, was was offering for us to actually track the menstrual cycle with the athlete. There's actually a number of athletes before I even suggested tracked their own cycles, mm. um, and we're we're very aware uh, of where they sat or 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 not. A lot of the women work with the fitter woman app and then those so we haven't made it mandatory it's 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 a choice of of the athlete um and the coaches were on were on board with that as well as they said they didn't want to make it a a hat to um and then those athletes that chose to share their information with us we now use a fitter coach app which just allows me to be able to do it all in one place so i'm not having to log in and out um so the team that plays a big probably part in brothers is our nutritionist crystal um, I do, and then it, it's an awareness with with the coaches and and the athletes. And look, I'm, I'm, this is probably not not news to anybody. Um, we have a range of athletes. We have athletes um, taking oral contraceptive pills. There's a big squad. We've 25, 25 women in in the program, or twenty six. Um, you know who are on a who are on a pill. We've got others who are who are on normal cycle that never changes. That have pretty bad symptoms but it's just a fact for them and they and, and they get on and they perform um and then you know we have a number that come in and out of their cycles extend as as um as training gets harder and maybe energy isn't matching that um so yeah it allows us to do that and have eyes on it 
And I, I actually have just finished up a, uh, like a project I've been working on with some athletes and I really have seen the power of nutrition and stress on menstrual mm -hmm. cycles. Yes. Actually, the importance of good nutrition and yes, like fueling regularly, fueling the right thing, anti-inflammatory food intake, like being really proactive with nutrition and also managing stress and that seems to massively help mm -hmm. symptoms. Um mm -hmm. That, that's been really interesting but the other thing i'd also say is like i still feel we're only um just like getting a, a real picture of actually how we can manage symptoms we we're nowhere near the point of okay well let's change training but actually no. in the future might be that we say well hang on a minute when your estrogen levels are higher we know that your mm -hmm. capacity is increased so actually we could look to increase your load a little bit here but that's going to be so individual and i think this whole thing is individual and you know the individualized medicine is such a hot topic right now so i feel like yeah. maybe that's the future but it's it's hard it's it's you know that one-on-one -on -one support is not very scalable yeah. so um, that's, yeah that's funny actually on um it was i was, was who did i meet i think it was i was i was in a meeting with christian cook um, around rowing and rowing programs and he just went rowing programs are like military programs and I know it's not nothing like the military but it, it is it's, it's a big program we're trying to you know get a bang for our buck with each athlete and so like you just said individualized medicine oh wow I would love to just sit down and I, I got to do it to an extent in, in Ireland but um you know yes just spending time with some of those athletes and, and we get to do it to a certain extent with some yeah. and they're the ones that engage hugely and probably are more successful athletes yeah. Um, and, 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 and you get to delve into it a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. I, mm. I'm just, I'm so intrigued about how athlete performance and athlete health, which I, I really do believe is becoming more to the forefront because we know mm -hmm. that we can't have long-term performance without having health. I'm really intrigued about how this is going to develop over time. And I, I hope that I, I feel like, uh, situations or, um, do, uh, governing bodies or institutes that um, similar to that that you have in New Zealand are really the driving force in this area um, so it's amazing to hear and, and Caroline thank you so much like all of this has been just so interesting and I think so inspiring for both um, female athletes to understand what kind of support um, your setup would provide them but also just generally this is the way that we can support female athletes but also for young practitioners out there looking at okay how to get to where they want to and what they should do and how they should learn and and just generally for for anyone out there to understand how this high performance setup works and um yeah thank you very much for sharing all of that with us today i know thanks thank you both for having me uh for having me on I don't know about you, Georgie, but I found that really interesting just to get a little bit of an insight into the kind of behind the scenes of, of, a, of a sports scientist working in a really, you know, world-class elite setup and, um, and to hear her experiences and her, her opinions about, about different topics. I 100% and I was really lucky to go out to New Zealand a couple of years ago um, and to actually spend some time with Caroline so I could see um, what her role as an exercise physiologist on a day-to-day -day basis really entailed. Um, they have the most inspiring setup there, um, just beautiful landscape and 
everyone's mentality is just everyone's so passionate and so determined to work hard but also train smart and I would say um, Caroline's overarching role really is to support athletes to train smarter so whether it's through um, daily wellness monitoring whether it's through monitoring blood lactates so taking a small sample of blood to look at um, the amount of lactate produced by the body as a gauge of intensity of training and also helping to use um, that to understand recovery too um, whether she's working with the coaching team, the nutritionist, to really work out how to physiologically enhance the player's performance and make them fitter, faster, stronger. Um, her role is definitely um, across a wide range of departments to to bring all the pieces together and to really support those athletes on a day-to-day basis and really on an individual basis too. Well, that's it for this bonus episode. Thank you to Caroline for giving up her time so generously. Our title sponsor for this series is Pretty Athletic. Head to www.prettyathletic.com to view the amazing range of products available and use discount code FEMALEATHLETEPOD for 20% off.